Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. It is good to be together on a beautiful warm day. For those of you who are watching from elsewhere in the country or in the world, we are out of the freezer. And... uh, and thankful that there's firm footing underneath. Uh, we think of our dear sister Linda, who was coming home from church last Sunday and fell over and, and broke her shoulder. I was with her in the hospital yesterday. And uh, we are so blessed in Canada to have our hospital system. Within a week of her fall, she has a brand new shoulder. You know, the operation is done. There's not too many places in the world that you can have that done so quickly. And even more importantly, you can have it done and you leave the hospital without a bill. It's so unusual. Yeah. We are so grateful for the book of James. He's teaching us so much. So I'd like us this morning as, as, we, as we focus on James to just be home. We are in our spiritual home. And we're asking God to teach us through his word. So if you could just breathe and be grateful for one another and for this place. Do you have any idea how extraordinary this is? I know for for many of us we've been doing this our whole life. But to gather with people you love, to learn something that changes your life, to be in a safe warm place surrounded by incredible, wonderful people. It's a gift. Amen? Amen. You're incredible. I have a guest today from Calgary, and I just want to show her off. I say, I say they're only strangers the first time you meet them. After that, you're going to love them because you'll find that they're the best strangers you've ever met, and they, as soon as you meet them, they turn into family. We're looking at the epistle of James. An epistle is a letter. It comes from epi to send and stel to put in order. To send and put in order. An epistle is a letter that you send to get things in order, to, to teach. It's a letter of teaching to organize and to make straight. So we start with the book of, uh, in chapter 1 in James here, and we're looking at verse 19, and we start with the words hoste adolfoi. That's the Greek. And uh, literally as translated, dear brothers. And as I've been getting to know our journey as Mennonite brethren, and as I've been learning about Paraguay, I learned that one of the biggest towns that was built in Paraguay for our, um, for our Mennonite family was called Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Well, the word Philadelphia has the word Adelphos in it. Brother or brotherly. It starts with phileo, love. So Philadelphia, they named that beautiful city in Paraguay, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Philadelphia means the city of brotherly love. Adelphos and phileo. So our book today, James, starts with Hoste Adelphoi. Dear brothers, take note of this. Listen up. Pay attention. When we are reading the Bible and we read a part that says pay attention, I think we should probably pay attention. So this is James saying, this is important. Your life depends on this. 
And he's going to touch on four matters in our life. He's going to tell us to take note of our listening, our speaking, our anger, and our actions. Listening, speaking, anger, and actions. So let's start with listening. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let me say that one more time. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. There was a soccer game in Brazil, and there were thousands of fans in the stadium. And in Brazil, sometimes people bring their dogs to the games. They love their, and you can do that in Brazil. You can bring your, your puppy dog with you to, uh, to watch the game. And somehow the dog got away from its master. And so in this huge soccer stadium, this little field, this, this little dog runs out on the field. I, I, you've probably seen the video. And what happens is people start whistling. And so the little dog uh, is, goes out and he's in the middle of the field and he sort of goes down on his haunches and he's, he's looking around. He's so confused and, and people start whistling here and there trying to get the dog off the field. And then what happens is that there's a little boy at the end of the, the pitch and he does that whistle. You know that loud whistle, the, the four-finger whistle? I won't do it because it'll kill you. <laughs> but I can do it. Uh, <laughs> So he puts his, his fingers and he does that, that really loud whistle. And the dog, the dog's ears, you can see it, it, it hears its master and it heads straight for his master's whistle. He knows his master's whistle. And when we know the voice of Christ, when we know his word, we can go in the right direction. When we're surrounded and confused, we need to hear the voice of God. We need to listen for his whistle. Or his voice. Now, unfortunately, in this illustration, we are the dog. But the point is simple and clear. The dog knew what to do because he heard his master's voice. He went in the right direction. In the same way, we need to be listening to God so that we move in the right direction each day. How do you listen to God? Well, that's what James is teaching us today. And not just How do we listen? But how do we be quick to listen? There's a test to know if someone's listening to you. And I'm sure you know it. The test to know if someone has heard you is if they do what you have asked them. Yes? Do any of you have children or friends who have selective deafness? They just don't seem to hear it when I speak. They are selectively deaf. The real test of knowing if you have heard God is if you're doing what he tells us. We've got his word. Are you doing what he tells us? Because if you aren't, either you're being disobedient or you're deaf. We know the voice of Christ. We know that we need to go in the right direction. But sometimes we don't hear. We're distracted. We spoke about that a couple weeks ago, the things that distract us from hearing the word of God. So we don't just listen, but we need to be quick to listen. That means ready to hear. Um, How many of you have had a dog in your house? And dogs are incredible. And when it's time to go for a walk and... You, you move towards where you're hanging the leash and you just 
touch the leash. Just the little, the slightest little tingle of the chain. Where's the dog? Right at your feet. Right at your feet. If he's not there already, as soon as he hears the sound of the leash, or how about this one? It's, it's time to eat. And you start to pour the food. Tinkle, tinkle, tinkle in, that, in, in, the, in the, the dog bowl. You know that sound? Where is the dog? He's quick to listen. He is quick to listen. He's ready. Ready, willing, and waiting for a good thing. Well, we should be like that every Sunday morning. Or every morning when we open the Word of God, we should be like that, saying, Lord, teach me something. Take me on a journey. Make me new. Teach me something this morning. I'm sorry that all of these illustrations, we are the dog. But uh, I love, I love animals. And I love the Word of God. And I want us to be quick to listen to what he says to us. Following up after listening is what we do when we open our mouths. We speak. James Chapter 1, verse 19 says, be slow to speak. Now, what does it mean to be slow to speak? Does it mean that we speak slowly? No. Being slow to speak means that we think before we speak. We are, we are slow to speak bad things, bad words, angry words, mean words. Being slow to speak and slow to anger means that we need to learn the art of restraint. If we don't learn the art of restraint, if we don't become mature, then there are serious consequences. Proverbs 14.17 says that a quick-tempered person does foolish things. Have you ever said or done anything foolish? If you haven't, I want to read your book and to learn how to be as wise as Christ is. We all have been foolish at times. And most of the time we are foolish when we, when we act on that impulse. And the consequences of our foolishness are not only for us, but it's for those who are on the receiving end of our actions or our words. I once had a friend to me. She was trying to rationalize her actions, her outbursts. And she said, there's nothing wrong with me losing my temper. She said, I blow up and then it's all over. Well, it's all over, all right. It's all over the place. It's simply not true. If you blow up, it's not all over. How many of you can remember an unkind word or an unkind act today? I can. I, we don't forget when people are unkind or when they say words that are hurtful, that, that make us less. That cut us. It leaves damage. Words are one of the most damaging things that we can leave behind. It's not so quickly over. And words can be permanent damage. You can't take them back. So we need to be slow to speak. Because you can't undo your words. Scripture is quite clear about the kind of things that should come out of our mouths. Ephesians 4, 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building each other up according to their need, that it may benefit those who listen. We need to have gracious, godly words. Don't speak words that tear people down. Speak words that build people up. My mother taught me 
My mother's a wise woman. If you can't say anything kind, then don't say anything at all. That's in Mom, chapter 1, verse 1. If you can't say anything kind, don't say anything at all. Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says, But be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Well, what are, what are gracious words? What are, what are words filled with grace? They're words that are kind, warm, welcoming, sympathetic, loving, considerate, soft, genuine. 2 Timothy 2.24 says, And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, they must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Don't argue with people. Be kind, be gentle, be slow to speak. Dear church family, you know it, I know it. Words matter to God. Words matter to God. What comes out of us matter to God. Can you please turn to the person to your left and your right? It's time for practice. We are going to practice gracious words. You can use Plautich, you can use High German, you can use Swahili, you can use English. The language isn't important. It's the words. Can you please share a a kind, warm, welcoming, sympathetic, loving, considerate, soft, genuine word with the person beside you? You've got 30 seconds. Has everyone received a kind word? I... In the balcony, did you get kind words? You got kind words? Did you get, Marion, did you get a kind word? Well, thank you, Sarah. There we go. There's a kind word. A kind word with a hug is like, it's like rolling up the rim to win, and you win. So many of you have shared kind words with Sarah and I. Since we've come, we feel so loved and so warm. Many of you are busy being Christ's mouthpiece, being Christ's hands and his feet, where you live, where you worship, where you work, and, and we're so proud of you. There's this beautiful scripture, Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words, have we got that one ready? Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Did we get that one, David? Maybe I didn't get that one too. Here I am. I'm still looking here. I forget. We have the most beautiful big TV hanging up there as of, as of last week. Gracious words, the proverb says, are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Our dear Monica to my left here has been listening to God and believing that he has called her to do some amazing things. James tells us, don't merely listen to the word, do what it says. So I've asked Monica to tell us what she has been doing as she's been listening to what God has told her to do. Monica. Good morning. When I think about listening to God, I think about when I first heard him about 30 years ago when I had a very, very um, profound experience when I gave my life to the Lord. And throughout my life, Whenever trials came up, 
God kept on speaking to me over and over again. Have faith. Do you trust me? Love and believe that all things are possible. And oh boy, has that ever been true. (laughs) Well, my favorite scripture throughout the years has been trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Well, lately God has been speaking to me in incredible ways, challenging me in a lot of ways. And especially through my daughter and through a few other people. And he's got me in things, uh, involved in things that are bigger than I could even imagine. And I'm grateful. And I'm encouraged. Well, this is what he's got me into. (laughs) Yeah, this is what he's got me into. And uh, it's just a square. It's crochet, nice colors, and it looks like something small, and what can it do? Well, let me tell you, it can do a whole lot, because God's been, appears to be doing something big through it, through my life, which is amazing, and also in the lives of others, those that have been helping out, and also those that have been receiving, because what this little square does, it takes about 20 of these, and 20 of these goes into this. Can I be your... You're the... Your (laughs) model. This blanket represents a village. It's a village of people coming together to make these. And they send them to us and we put them together. Well, these blankets aren't really just blankets. It's about what they do. They offer the person love, compassion, care, and hope to a person receiving this blanket going through chemotherapy. And throughout my life, and through family and friends, excuse me, I've been very touched and very impacted by cancer. And in listening to what Jesus is really talking to me about, I realized that I had an opportunity to do something, something for someone else. Because it's not about me. It's about doing for someone else. And to give them a blanket to help them to go through the journey that they are going through. So I thought to myself, well, a blanket like this takes a long time. I know that. I spent six months off my feet making 14 blankets. Took a very long time. And then I talked to my dear friend Paula, because Paula is presently going through cancer, and I've been on this journey with her. And together we talked about how could we do something? How can we make a difference? So we did a little bit of research, and we both have our strengths. And together, It became a passion to do something. And, of course, we just decided to throw it out there and go and talk to people to see what the reaction we would get. And if, God, this is from you, then you will open up the doors. So not knowing how we were going to do it, but believing that, okay, if this is from you, God, we're going to take that leap of faith. 
So we started to talk to other people with excitement and belief and faith. And as we started to talk to people, it really resonated, the idea. And people started to come on board, and they said, oh, I can do this. Knit or crochet these, because they don't take much time to watch TV. And it's amazing how people within the church here and outside of the church, people that aren't even going to church, have come on board to be a part of this project. And we called it Project Imagine. Imagine the possibilities, one square at a time. Wow. So, you know, I listened to God and I heard him call and to help those in needs, particularly those at the hospital and who are receiving uh, chemotherapy, and also at the mental health unit, which is a new open door that God's put in place, again, using someone else to plant the seed, which is another story. (laughs) But these blankets are a gift from those in need, those that are suffering, those that are having a hard time, whether it's mental health, whether it's going through chemo, to let them know they're not alone. They are like a people, a village, coming together. Now we're listening to God, and we're doing something. And God is taking something so small to impact others. And my girlfriend sometimes thinks, oh, you have too much imagination. Well, imagination is good, and faith is good. And I have a belief deep within my heart that God wants to do something way bigger, way bigger than I can imagine. Mm -hmm. He wants to create a village, a whole village. Well, some of you may be thinking, gee, that's a big thing to do. Well, yeah, it is. And I haven't figured out how yet, but I know that God is leading the way because he's opening up doors. And some of you, and I can see it here, you know, are doing the same thing with the quilting. I am so amazed that you have put together 150 quilts, and you probably started the same way, an idea. And look what God is doing. My challenge to you today is to listen to God. Talk to your friends. If God has put something on you through a seed or something that someone's saying, listen to that and step out in faith and just do it. There is so much more I'd like to tell you about this story because every day God is doing something different and adding more to this project. And he has taken through social media, he has taken us to so many homes. He has taken us to the hospital to build a relationship there to start something. He has taken us to senior residence, which is something I'm working on more. But to my amazement this week, They found out about us all the way up in Sudbury. Mm -hmm. And God has planted a seed up there. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that's only in two months. It's amazing what God can do. He is amazing. And I'm not worried about where he's going to take this because I'm trusting in him. 100%. Where he leads me. I will follow. And in Philippians 3, verse 13, it says, I, meaning me, I can do all things through Christ 
who gives me strength. I can't do it in my own strength, but I can do it in his strength. So I encourage you to take that leap of faith. And God, he'll open up the doors so wide, more than you or I could ever imagine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is so soft. Monica, God bless you, my dear sister. That's from Maryland. Carolyn, thank you. Lovely. Um, just uh, Monica is an example of, of listening to God's voice and then doing. And God bless you. God bless your hands and the hands of the many people who, are, who have a passion for those who are, are going through difficult times and chemotherapy and the like. The, a lot of people who are having chemotherapy get skinny and they get cold and uh, the gift of a blanket is it's, it's more than a blanket. It, it warms them up, but it lets them know they're not alone. And so to, to those of you who are going through cancer treatments even now, uh, you are not alone, and we love you. To our dear Paula sitting here this morning, you are not alone, and we love you. And we're, we're proud to walk with you through this. Yeah. Yeah. Let's finish up this scripture. Uh, Verse 19 and 20, James 1 says, Be slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Seems like we live in an angry world sometimes. Everywhere we look, we find rage. Road rage, grocery store line rage, airline rage, restaurant rage when you see the bill, Black Friday rage, don't go shopping, you get trampled, political rage, all the shenanigans that are going on. Now, there's all sorts of explanations as to why we seem to have an epidemic of anger in our society. The social scientists say that it's stress, high expectations, and multitasking. All these three things together are making us um, angry people. But I think it's more than just a psychological problem. I think it's a moral issue in our culture in terms of a lack of virtue and self-control. There seems to be a lack of respect for people. Some people seem to think that everything they want should be theirs now. We're not surprised when children act like children. Sometimes they're selfish, sometimes they're self-centered, and we call that being childish. And we try to teach our children to grow out of their childish ways and to have godly virtues and kind virtues. Children cry sometimes when they don't get their way. But there's something wrong when an adult acts this way. Has our materialistic and narcissistic world so infected us that we can't do without, that we can't wait our turn, that we've forgotten how to be gracious and self-controlled. God calls us to be mature, not to be like children. And the Bible talks a lot about anger and self-control. Ephesians 4, 26, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Proverbs 15, 1, A gentle answer, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 
Proverbs 29. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise person keeps himself under control. We, as followers of Christ, are supposed to be different. They say they will know we are Christians by our love, but I think they will also know we are Christians by our self-control. Amen? We are a people who are self-controlled. I would like us this week to shock St. Catharines. Would you agree with me to do the following? Just say yes. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to let another person have the parking spot that we saw first. Just let them have it. Just smile. Number two, we're going to say a kind word back to someone who doesn't say a kind word to us. We will return a harsh word with a kind word. Can you do that? It's not easy. It takes self-control. Number three, can we, when we are at the grocery store, can we let the other person go ahead of us? Can you do that? Please, go ahead of me. They'll say, no, no, no. Say, yes, my pastor told me to. <laughs> I have no choice. <laughs> he might be watching. <laughs> Lastly, this week, let us be confident, resilient, Kind people. You know the words that you shared, the the gracious words with others today? You did share gracious words with each other today. You turned to one another. Your homework is to take those same words, those gracious words, and say them to someone outside the church this week. Can you do that? You already said yes. So God bless you this week. Take note of your actions. Verse 21, we're just about at the end. Verse 21 says, therefore. And when you see therefore in scripture, you ask, what is it there for? Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word of God planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. There's two gentlemen in St. Catharines known for not being overly wise. Driving a delivery truck down the road, they come to a tunnel. The sign reads, maximum height, 10 feet. They're driving a delivery truck that has tall tires and a 7-foot box on the back, making the truck 11 feet tall. They don't know what to do when finally one of them looks both directions And he says to the other, I don't see any police. No one will see us. Let's go for it. Um, And when I say that, that sounds ridiculous. You can't put an 11-foot truck through a 10-foot hole. But that's the way we approach sin. If no one sees us, then it's okay. Let's go for it. We can get away with it. But we can't get away with it any more than an 11-foot truck goes through a 10-foot tunnel. I, I love the King James Version of Galatians 6, 7 to 9. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. 
Thank you for that King James Version scripture. I've grown up I'm a, with farmers in Canada and Africa, and no matter where you are on earth, whatever seed you sow is that which you harvest. You may think that no one sees your sin or your foolish actions, but Scripture says that we carry our sins in our hearts. And until we ask for forgiveness, our sins eat away at us. And others can feel it. Others can see it. We can't hide it. That's why we're so blessed by 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. And, and brothers and sisters, we need that. We need God's forgiveness. We need to be made whole and strong and pure again. The Bible encourages us to hide the word of God in our heart. Why? So that we might not sin against him. Hide his word in our heart that we may not sin against him. Whereas our human nature, we try to hide our weakness. We try to hide our sins. God says, don't hide those things. Give them to him. Rather, hide your strength, your resilience. Hide God. Hide his word that we might not sin against him. I hope you're enjoying this book of James, these simple truths inside this book. Today he taught us about listening, speaking, and anger. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, do not merely listen to the word. Let us do what it says. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word to us this morning. Thank you for James and for his teaching, his training. Father, we are people in training. Make us a gracious, loving, and kind people. Father, help us to listen to you every day, to be quick to listen. And to hear you speak to us through your word, through your spirit, and through your people. And Father, help us to think before we speak. Or better yet, Father, hear us as we pray that, Father, give us the right word at the right time. Father, don't let us speak angry words. And don't let the anger that sometimes we feel get the better of us. Lord, we pray that you would get the best of us. Get the best out of us. Words, actions, life. And then, Father, thank you that we've heard your word to us this morning through James. Now, Father, help us to do it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. For any questions about the message or to contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.